Well, I want to go back to our text that we're preaching through in the book of Colossians. We're in chapter 1 tonight. So in our King James Bible, let's look at Colossians chapter 1. And we saw this morning verse 20 and 21 and part of verse 22. Let's just back up again and start reading verse 20. The Bible said, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. I didn't address this morning universalism that says that the death of Christ ultimately brings lost people, devils, and everything to himself. I, I didn't deal with that. If you want to... Make a little note there. You could write in your Bible, Ephesians 1.10. Those things are all things in Christ he brings together. So if it's outside of Christ, it's going to be destroyed. But, but nevertheless, I, I didn't, that was talking about the restitution of all things and didn't feel we need to go that way this morning. But for those universalists that say that everything is going to be brought together to him without their reception of Christ, that's not the case. Verse number 21, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. But there is a colon there. And then he says, if, now, now, now that, that, that's where we're going to be trying to mine some truth from tonight. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, Now, I believe we have to jump to the last two verses because we have a presentation that will help us understand what we've read. Verse 28, whom we preach, that's Christ, the hope of glory, whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. So he talks about our salvation in verse 20 and 21. But then he's going to talk about our presentation. Please don't get that misconstrued. He's made peace. For us through the blood of his cross, verse 20, we've been reconciled to him. We have been reconciled though we were enemies, we were alienated, we got saved and we were brought together with God. And he did that in the body of his flesh through death. But then he did it looking forward to something else. So we are reconciled, but then he says, to... We're saved to something. We are 
reconciled, but we're headed toward a direction he's trying to take us in the body of his flesh through death to present you a presentation holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Now, there's a presentation in verse 22. There is a presentation in verse 28. These presentations are not the same. The presentation in verse 22 is Christ's presentation. All those his, that's Jesus. And, and he is going to present you holy. In verse number 28, it's the apostle Paul that's presenting people. Not the same presentation. There are actually four presentations of saved people that I want to show you in the Bible. The first one's very easy. If you'd go to, you know, maybe you don't even have to go to Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1. That is a presentation and it should be for every saved per person, but it's you presenting yourself to the Lord. That's after self. You're already saved. But it's up to you if you present yourself to the Lord for His use, for His control. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present yourselves. You have to do it. In other words... In other words, a parent, now, now we prayed, we prayed for a little Peyton tonight. But if he gets saved, he himself will have to give his life as a present, a presentation to the Lord, if the Lord's going to use him. And that's true for all of us. And some, some say people never present their bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God, which is their reasonable service. They don't do that. They hold on to their, bo their, their, their bodies for themselves, and they don't present their bodies to Jesus. That's a presentation. Here's my body, Lord. It's not mine, it's yours. In other words, I'm not going to do in my body what I want to do. I'm going to give you my body. I'm presenting my body to you. Now, if you don't do that, you're very unwise because you're going to make a mess of your life as a saved person because you have not presented your body to the Lord as a sacrifice. He gave His body for you. We ought to give our bodies to Him. That's not salvation. That's consecration. Here's, here, here's my hands, Lord. You know, you know, if we did Romans chapter, if we presented our bodies to the Lord every day, we wouldn't be involved in sinful things because it's not our hands, it's His hands. Well, I know what He's not going to do with these hands. It's, it's, his, it's His tongue, it's not mine. I know what He's not going to say if this is His mouth. These are His eyes. Here are my eyes, Lord. I know what these eyes will look at if He has them in His control. You understand what I'm saying? So, but that's a presentation you have got to make. I've got to make. Nobody will force us to do that. That's your presentation. So that's you to God of your own body. And then if you go back, if you look back in our text, in verse number 28, Paul the apostle said, whom we preach, 
warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we might that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me my... He said, my job, my work, my labor, I'm preaching to people and I'm warning them and I'm teaching them and I'm trying to give to them the wisdom of God so that I, I can present them perfect. In Christ, now being presented perfect in Christ Jesus, the word perfect that 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 has to do with being complete and entire and mature. In other words, Apostle Paul's working overtime so that one day he can present people to God, mature and perfect and entire. But the jury's out on whether that's going to happen. Would you look at, uh, grab uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. The preacher is going to present men to God. The desire is to present them perfect. And so he warns them. He warns them about things that will keep them from being perfected in their lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Watch the reading of this. Watch how how it states itself. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 1. Would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, watch it now, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Three. But I, but I fear, lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. He, he's saying, I, I'm, I'm worried about this. I'm fearful about this. I, I'm concerned about this for you, Corinthians, because it is my desire to present you as a church, as a people, as a chaste virgin to Christ. That's Paul presenting to Jesus. These people that have been perfected because of his preaching and teaching in their lives. Now, now I wonder how how we can understand that. Do you know why you get preached to? Do you know why the preacher is supposed to warn you? Do you know why you're supposed to be taught and your heart's supposed to be open to receive what you're being preached and taught because God's trying to perfect you and there's going to come a day that those that have preached to you and warned you are going to have to give an account. I I don't see any other way of reconciling what he just said. I don't think Paul is just speaking in allegory. I don't think the Spirit of God... He said, I want to present you chase." I want to present you clean. Because I'm the one that invested in you and preached to you. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, what does it say? It says, obey them which have the rule over you. As they must give an account. That they may do it with joy and not with grief. What if all those that have preached the word of God to us and have been our 
shepherds and pastors in our lives as the Apostle Paul was to the Corinthians, presented us before the Lord and said, Okay, Lord, I preached to this person. I warned them. I tried to teach them. And yet the presentation isn't, their life isn't clean and they didn't respond correctly to the Lord. He said, I'm afraid that you're going to be beguiled by the devil and you're going to be corrupted and it's going to mess up that presentation. We're not talking about salvation. We're talking about presentation. Presentation. Like meeting someone. You know, I'd like to present to you so-and-so. Here's, here's, here's the pastor saying, yeah, here's one of them I preach to. I warned them, I'm sorry, Lord. I told them, they're yours. But all that mess of their life that didn't work out and you didn't get any glory out of their life and they're standing here in front of you ashamed, I just want you to know that I warned them, I taught them, and I preached to them. Or it can be, Lord... You gave me the job. I did the best I could. I tried to preach to these people. Now look at this one right here, Lord. I know my preaching wasn't the best, and sometimes I'm sure I missed the mark, but this one right here, I mean they took to it like a duck to water. They received the warning. They opened up their heart to the preaching, and when they were taught, they received it, and their life benefited because of it, and you got glory, and here's the presentation. He says that presentation can be with with joy or it can be with grief. That's the presentation of the preacher of the people to the Lord. That, that's what he's saying. If you've got a better way to understand that, you need to come after church and tell me. But twice, here in Colossians and also in Corinthians, he's talking about presenting people to God as the preacher. I'd say it'd be pretty important to listen to the warnings. If it's going to affect your presentation. <laughs> but that's not really where I'm headed tonight. I want you to go back to our text and then I see two other presentations. He said in verse number 22 of Colossians chapter 1, In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. This is Christ presenting us. Now there is the presentation of the church after the judgment seat of Christ. Let's grab a few verses and read some Bible together. How about Ephesians chapter 5 and 1 Corinthians chapter 1? Let's turn in our Bibles. Ephesians chapter 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And then we'll go over to 1 Thessalonians. God tells us a lot about this presentation. We're not talking about salvation. We're talking about presentation. How you will be presented before the Lord. We know we do that in a marriage. You know, two people get married and say, I'd like to present to you. One of these days, the Lord is going to say, here's a presentation. And I'm glad that part of the truth of this presentation I'm giving you is an unconditional one. All 
ultimately, in the end, we are going to be presented holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in His sight. God's going to present us perfect, complete in Him. Ephesians 5, the Bible tells us in verse Number 24, he says, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with a washing of water by the word. 27, watch it. That he might present it to himself. So this is the presentation of Jesus, of the church, to himself. A glorious church. Watch it, not, now this is important because we're going to read a verse in a minute that there's a big if with this. But, but I want you to see this first. A glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. That is going to happen for the church. Every backslidden, hard-hearted, and there are those I know all you people in here love Jesus Christ and you're 100% committed to Him. Come on now. I know you don't have any wrinkles in your Christian life. I'm sure there's no spots there. I'm sure we could stand up here tonight and put you on the platform and present you to the congregation and say, I find no fault in her at all. How would that go? But one of these days, that's what's going to happen. Because the Lord is going to make that presentation to himself. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 8 tells us of that again. It's a certain time fixed for that. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7 says, So that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end that ye may be blameless, in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. So important verses. This is unconditional. All the church one day will be presented holy, unblameable, and unrepentant. A glorious church. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. It's not based upon our deeds. It's based upon His grace and His cleansing and His power. He said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. In verse number 13, to the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. So when the Lord comes with his saints, that's at the end of that tribulation period. We're going to get raptured up there. It's going to be seven years tribulation. There's also going to be seven years judgment for us. (laughs) That's the great day of judgment for the whole world. The Jews down here, the heathen and the Gentiles down here, the Antichrist, and it's going to be the judgment time for the church up there as well. But the Bible says when he comes back with his saints, he will present us before that before his Father, unblameable in holiness before God. Guys, I have to tell you. There is plenty that is to blame about every one of our lives. 
And though the Lord is able to keep us from falling, Jude verse 24, and present us faultless before the presence of his glory. He's able to do that, and he will do that. That doesn't mean that there's still in this life not a whole lot of blame and a whole lot of problems and spots and blemishes. One day we'll have a body fashioned like his glorious body is coming. That's true. But then what does this mean? James chapter 3 tells us, or chapter 1, verse 27, he said, Pure religion undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in the affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. You think every Christian's kept himself unspotted from the world? Well, then how is he going to present us holy and unblameable and unreprovable without spot? How is that going to happen? Look, grab 2 Peter chapter 3 and 1 Timothy chapter 6. Because here's the temptation, guys. Well, hallelujah, glory to God. One day Jesus is going to make me like himself and everything's going to be great and I'm going to be holy and without blemish before him and the coming of the Lord is going to take care of that and I'll have a body like unto his glorious body and all those things God's just going to iron out and take glory be to God. Yep, yep, but there's also one more presentation. And that's where there's a big if. And, and we see it. Look at Second Peter chapter 3. He says in verse number 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things. That, that's the end. The new heavens, new earth, all that. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent. Now watch this. Be diligent. That ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Let me ask you a question. If that's going to happen anyway, why does he say be diligent about this? There must be another presentation. Not just of a spotless, unreprovable, holy church before the Lord. Must be another presentation. He said also in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 14. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 14. That thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, some people don't keep it without spot. Some people do have spots, and that's why the Bible said in First John chapter 2, verse 28, that we w- wouldn't be ashamed before Him and His coming. There's going to be a whole lot of God's people totally ashamed when He comes again and they see Him face to face. And I understand you say, well, how, how does that work? He's going to present us holy, but yet there's a question. When we meet Him, we might be ashamed. We might have spots and blemishes. We might be presented with this big if. Well, because there's something about the judgment seat of Christ that is going to be very cleansing to all of our spots and wrinkles. Did you know over there in Revelation 19 when he talks about God's bride, we who are married to the Lamb, he said, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come. Watch this. And his wife hath made herself ready. She had to get ready. You know what the ready was? 
the judgment seat of Christ. Listen to the next verse. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. In other words, he's saying, we're going to go through that judgment seat, and there's going to be some spots, and there's going to be some wrinkles, and there's going to be some reproof, and there's going to be some blame. But on the other end of that judgment seat of Christ, after the judgment seat of Christ takes care of that, then that bride is going to be granted fine linen, and she's going to be arrayed gloriously and made ready. And that takes me to my text. Would you go back to Colossians 2? Four presentations. There's a presentation of you, of your body, to the Lord. There's a presentation of the preacher, of the flock, to Jesus. There's the ultimate presentation of the bride of Christ to the Lord Jesus Christ, to, to, uh, to Himself before the Father as He comes again. As there is no wrinkle, there is no spot, you can't find any fault in her at all. But there's one other presentation. He says in Colossians chapter 1, verse number 22, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight if. Is that, is that what your Bible says? If. Ye continue in the faith. You know, some people have taken this verse and said, well, right there it shows you can lose your salvation. No, it shows that your presentation, this presentation can be full of blame and reproof. It doesn't say you're going to go to hell unless you continue. It didn't say that. It says you'll be presented holy and unblame, unreprovable in his sight if ye continue in the faith. Grounded and settled and not be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. He didn't say the gospel. He said the hope of the gospel. What is the hope of the gospel? We preached on that back at, was it verse 5 or verse 6 of chapter 1? Yeah, verse 5. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. We talked about those, those that heavenly clothing, that new tabernacle that God has for you. We ran, ran you over there to Romans chapter 8 where the word hope is used over and over again. It talks about we're saved by hope. It talks about the hope that is the redemption of our body. It talks about Jesus Christ, the hope of glory, even in this very chapter. Jesus is the hope. When he says the hope of the gospel, the hope of the gospel is that you and I will be just like Jesus Christ. The gospel changes us inside, but it also ultimately will make us just like Jesus. My hope is, my expectation, my goal is, I'm going to be just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. He's my hope. My hope is not go to heaven. My hope is to be like Him. He's the hope. His person. His character. But now, wait a minute, you know what? A lot of people move themselves away from that hope. Because this is what the Bible says. Every man, every man that hath this hope in him, seeing the Lord, purifieth himself, even as he is pure. What do preachers do? They warn, they teach, they preach. What does the Lord work in our hearts? He works in our hearts 
so that we will purify ourselves. And so we're looking unto Jesus. And, and so we're looking for that blessed hope. And we're waiting for that day we'll be just like Him. And day by day we're trying to be like Him down here. But what happens to some people? They quit looking for that. They're looking for something else out of life. They have a different goal than to be like Jesus. They have a different purpose. They have a different desire and they start moving away from what their real hope is and that's Christ. And there's going to be a presentation that's going to have plenty of blame and plenty of reproof in it because somebody quit wanting to be like Jesus in their life. Let me just show it to you in the other verses in the Bible. He says in 2 Peter chapter 3, as we read in verse 14, he says, seeing you look forth, be diligent that ye may be found, may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. Philippians 2.15 says that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. Watch Paul's prayer. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is this if? This if is the presentation of ourselves before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ. And if we have not continued in the faith, grounded and settled, there is going to be plenty of blame and reproof to go around. Yeah. And before we get the fine linen and the gloriousness of our Savior... We're going, to, we're going to have to present ourselves before the Lord and every one of us will stand and give an account of ourselves to God and there's going to be a presentation of each of, one of, our, each of our lives before the Lord, before Jesus Christ and he's going to say, well, have you continued in the faith, grounded and settled? That little word, if. This is not written to lost people. It's written to you. That's Colossians. That's, that's the church. To present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight if ye continue in the faith. Mm. You know, it might be easy to start praying. It's harder to continue to pray. It might be easy to start living right, but it's a little harder to continue to live right. It might be easier to start being excited about the Lord Jesus, but it's harder to continue to be excited about the Lord Jesus. It might be a little simplistic to enjoy church and to praise God for the things in the assembly, but it's a little harder to continue to enjoy the things of God because there's something about us that the devil just tugs away to try to get us to stop continuing in the faith that is once delivered unto the saints. Don't keep going that way. And that's why this book is connected, as we said, with that Laodicea uh, epistle. And it's also connected, as we saw, to the last days of the church because over and over again, people are stopping 
in their pursuit of Jesus Christ. And this is what's going to happen. There's going to be blame to go around. I hope I hope that you think about your own life with this because I'm telling you what, there have been better people than you, better people than you that are even church tonight. If ye continue in the faith, grounded, watch this, and settled, and be not moved away. You see that? Grounded. Boy, there's a, there's a whole message there. Get grounded. By the way, and you cannot be grounded without being in a local church. Because the Bible says in 1 Timothy, he tells us, he says that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. You can't be grounded unless you're in church. And that's why the devil tries to pull people out of a Bible-believing church. Because he don't want you grounded. You know what? I just think about being grounded. I think about Brother Todd that came out there, amen, and we, and I, I, I got the sledgehammer and I, I slung a, a few on it and saw how sorry I am at, amen, 54 years old. And we were driving rods down in, in the ground to, to ground the electrical box. You know, if everything's grounded right, there's some protection there. But if it's not grounded, you're in danger. If we had electricity that wasn't grounded, we'd all get electrocuted. But you know what? If it's grounded, amen, I mean one of them lightning bolts can come by, amen. You know how powerful a lightning bolt is, but if it hits the house and my house is grounded, it'll just run right down the ground and doesn't bother anything. I'm telling you that the devil can rage in the light. He said, I saw Satan fall from heaven as lightning, did he not? What do we do with the lightning? You get grounded. What do we do with the powerful devil at work, electrocuting people and destroying people? You get grounded. And let, let the electricity and let the power and let the danger just run on down in the ground. But you're not grounded if you're not in the church. Not just the church. He said in Ephesians 3.17 that we're rooted and grounded in love. You know what one of the greatest... I was preaching to Brother Flores about this. You know one of the greatest dangers of the Christian life is, is not that you... You quit cutting your hair like you ought to cut your hair. And not, not that you quit dressing like you ought to dress. And I believe in all that. But you know that one of the greatest dangers of the Christian life, because you can do all those other things, and you can, st- you can stop loving Jesus like you used to love Him. And you know what happens when you stop loving? You are in such danger because you're not grounded anymore. You are rooted and grounded in love. And our love for Christ is what keeps the compass right. Guys, we can go through the motions of the Christian life and we can come in and sit on the church pew and we can totally fall out of love with Jesus. And you can tell people that don't that, that, that fall out of love with Jesus because they're mad at everybody. They're just mad about everything. You know, if you're in love with Jesus, 
Y'all remember when you got saved, amen? And the day before you got saved, you kicked the cat and you, you, hated, you hated the trees growing in the yard and everything was dark and everybody got on your nerves. And the day after you got saved, amen, it was like the sunshine came out and the cat was purring wonderfully and that tree never looked so beautiful. I'm just saying there's something about salvation that makes, that just brings love in your heart. And there's something about the devil that just gets you to fall out of love with Jesus and you're hard to live with and you can't stand anybody. You know why I think people are hard to live with? Because they don't love Jesus. Keep in touch with Jesus. He'll keep you sweet. There, there, are, there are families right here. If one member of the family would just fall back in love with Jesus, the family would be such a, a, a better place to live in. But see, we can have all our doctrine right and not be in love with Jesus, and there's hell everywhere in the home. And we can come to the church house and carry King James Bible and believe the truth, but in our heart, our heart gets away from God, and we don't love the Lord like we ought to love the Lord, and we're not grounded and here comes the lightning. I think you ought to watch yourself with the internet. I think you ought to watch your kids with bad influences. I think you ought to watch yourself with bad influences of people that you have to work with. But I'm telling you what you and I need to watch just about more than anything in our lives because it's the greatest commandment. Do I love him like I used to love him? Because if I don't, I'm not grounded any longer. There is a wire loose. And the whole thing can burn down when it's not grounded. And so what happens when we're not grounded in love? What happens when we're not grounded in the church? It's so much easier to not continue. Because it's not the love of Christ that's constraining me. And it's not the influence of the church that's keeping my feet on the ground. No, I got happy feet. Happy feet. Look at our text. If you continue in the faith, verse 23, grounded. Now watch this. And what does it say? Settled. You know how many people are unsettled? You know what they used to say? Preacher, when I get older, I, I want to get married and settle down. You ever heard that? And they grew up and they got married. And what they did, whatever it was, it was a lot of things, but it wasn't settling down. It was ramping up, boy. And now here comes the responsibility. That settling down, it just reminds me of just, you know, <sighs> Not moved away, heart not running here. I'm settled. Grounded and settled. Here's what the devil does. You know you're not happy. You know you're not fulfilled. Matter of fact, I don't even think that preacher's preaching the Bible right anymore. You can do a better job than that. That Sunday school teacher, he don't know what he's talking about. I tell you what, these authorities at the church and in my life, 
They don't have my best interest at heart. Just try to get you unsettled. People at church don't care about you. They really don't care about you. After all, you knew that wasn't such a friendly church anyway. People just hypocrites. Trying to get you unsettled. You know there's a depression coming. You better go buy your gold. It happens in a million ways. You got your emergency food kit bought yet? Just to unsettle you. You know, sheep don't do very well when they get unsettled. They don't do very well. But if they'll stay in that pasture, and if they'll stay and just look at that good shepherd, and somebody comes by and says, you know, you're in a dangerous spot. This is a very hard life. I think the grass is running out. And that sheep will just say, well, I don't know about that. But you see that man over there? I've been with him a long time, and everywhere he goes, he feeds me. And he's never led me wrong. And he'll come along and say, that little sheep, don't you know, over there across the pasture, that's a lot better over there. This is not the best stuff. The best stuff is over there in that other fence across. I don't know about that, but you see that man run over there? He's always done me good. I'm telling you, the presentation before the Lord Jesus when he comes, there's going to be so many of God's people they're not going to be holy at the time that he comes. They're going to have plenty of blame and plenty of reproof. And one of the reasons is they just couldn't settle down with Jesus. Run to and fro here and there. Mm. That's like church hopping people. They can't ever be settled. That's like people that can ever, can ever hold a job for any length of time because they just never settled. It's like people that, that swap husbands and wives, got four or five in lifetime. They just, they just can never be settled. And those aren't just lost people. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which is Christ see if our hope is in this life we're never going to be settled but if our hope is the coming of the Lord if our hope is Christ's likeness I'll give you this last verse and we'll be done. Go to 1 Peter 5. How's it going to be when you get presented before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ? Will you be holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in His sight? We're not talking about the Father. We're not talking about your salvation. We're talking about your presentation. I present to you, Saint, whoever. Well, let's look at your life, Mr. Saint. Let's look at what you've done, whether it's been good or bad. 
2 Corinthians 5.10. Did you continue in the faith? Did you stay grounded? Did you stay settled? Did you move away in your heart and your mind from the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ and being like Him? 1 Peter chapter 5. He says in verse number 10, well, let's just keep going up. Look at verse 8. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while... Make you what? Didn't Paul say, I want to present you perfect? Make you perfect, establish, strengthen. What does it say? Settle you. Do you know what God does for us? He puts us through the ringer to try to settle us. Now, you'd think it'd be the opposite way. God would just make our life work really good to settle us. But people that have the greatest stuff going for them are the most unsettled people in the world. Here's what God says he'll do. He'll let us suffer a while. Because he's trying to perfect us. He'll let us go through some hard things to try to establish and strengthen and settle us. And I hate to say this. Some of God's people have no patience on the Lord to settle them. And they won't go through the trial, and they won't go through the hardship, and they won't go through the temptation. And all along, God's trying to bring their character to the place that they'll be settled and strong and like His Son. And on that journey, so many of God's people check out and say, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to walk this path. And they're never settled. Doesn't matter what happens in their life. They're never settled. They're never content. They're never satisfied. Because until we let God have his perfect work in us, even through struggles and hard times. We will not be grounded and settled and perfected. But guys, every one of, these, every one of us, one of these days, you're going to stand before Jesus. Will there be reproof? Will there be rebuke? Will there be spots and wrinkles to iron out at the judgment seat? Or will we let him work in our lives, his good pleasure, to perfect us and to settle us? And will we have patience to let him work in our lives, to settle us? You ever heard people say, settle down. God's trying to settle us down, but he's not trying to do it with just blessings. He's trying to do it with difficulties. So we'll trust him. And we'll lean on him and we'll actually learn more about his sufferings and his character.